Hello and welcome to Tranquil Awakenings with me, Debbie Ison. On today's episode, I'm joined by Amy Williams, who is a clinical reflexologist with specialist training in reflexology for lymph drainage and reflexology for menstrual and reproductive health. Amy is very knowledgeable in many areas of health and well-being, and I look forward to her joining me on today's show. So, hello Amy, thank you ever so much for coming in to chat with me today. So, we've known each other a few years now, and we met, did you come to a Reiki share? Yeah, that's how we met. You advertised on Facebook about doing a Reiki share, and yeah. I just qualified. Mm-hmm. I was very keen to come and do one so yeah and there was a hedgehog that night I know once again I'm going off topic already there was like a little hedgehog that came to the outside of the therapy room that night and it appeared in the therapy room and I remember watching it it might have even been when we were doing the Reiki on you because we all took turns and I thought oh I really need to look that up and what the spiritual meaning is of that and I'm not sure I ever have done that so that's a really weird thing that my brain's just brought that up all those years later I didn't know that I might have done at the time (laughs) it's gone out my head that's really cool oh I love that yeah we'll have to look up hedgehog spiritual meaning after this everyone who's listening to the podcast is now googling (laughs) that's quite cool as well people are listening if you don't do that if you see an animal that comes along that's out of place um google what it means because I bet it's got a message for you it's fascinating but anyway let's get back to you Amy (laughs) So you are a reflexologist? Yes, that's right. So yeah, I'm a clinical reflexologist, Mm -hmm. which there's reflexology, there's reflexology. So we've got reflexologists who work in spas and it's very much about relaxation and just enjoying the moment. And then there's clinical reflexology that works more specifically about something that's going on in that person's life or that person's body. And it's a bit more targeted to them. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And I know reflexology for me was absolutely life changing. It was way before I met you, but it's the first alternative therapy that I ever had. At 19 years old, I was diagnosed with having endometriosis and I was told that the way it was growing into my ovaries, I'd be highly unlikely to ever be able to conceive my own children. And if I wanted children, I should start trying there and then as a first year of university give it six months and if I hadn't conceived at that time then maybe I should start trying IVF and I was in complete shell shock with that I'd always wanted children I was always desperate for children but I was 19 Pete and I were not in a stable relationship at the time and I'd just started university so we decided okay we'll wait until I've qualified but in the meantime I was just sort of given I think it was dihydrocodone And I was just, off you go, just deal with it. No information about what endometriosis really was, how to deal with anything. Just given these really strong painkillers. And it was awful living with that pain. And I remember one day feeling so desperate that I was in agony. And I'd just got the yellow pages out and I just started flicking through it and I stumbled across reflexology. And obviously now I know that that was always meant to be. And I rang every single number in that phone book And quite a few people didn't answer. I left messages. I spoke to one lady and she was like, oh, but you're a student. You might not be able to afford it. Maybe have a think about it. Really glad I didn't work with her. And a lady around me back called Linda and she changed my life. The reflexology changed my life. Within a few sessions, I was not in that pain anymore. I could manage the pain. And then I used her each time I wanted to conceive. And I conceived very naturally and very quickly. And I put that down to 
the reflexology, it made such a tremendous difference. And that was the first thing that opened me up to the idea that there are these alternatives out there. Um, that it's not just about having a tablet or an operation and just you've got to live with it and put up with it. So that's how I came to reflexology. So I think what you do really fascinates me and it really inspires me. That's a beautiful, lovely story. And I'm so glad you had your happy ending too with your babies. Mm -hmm. I think the thing is with reflexology, it's a whole body approach. It is holistic. We're not just even talking about the body. We're talking about the mind and the spirit and everything else that, that goes with that. Mm -hmm. And something like endometriosis, if you just you raised that, so that's what we'll chat about, is a whole body condition. It's not just a condition of the ovaries, condition of the uterus. It's a condition of the entire whole body. It's mm -hmm. now the more we know more and more about it perhaps even autoimmune, it's got inflammatory issues. These are things across the whole body. So when you take a pill, is it treating the whole body? When you have a piece of surgery, which you might need, and I'm not saying not to have those things too, but is that the whole body? Again, whereas reflexology or Reiki or any of those other holistic therapies are coming from a slightly different angle and saying, okay, the whole being needs looking at, the emotions need looking at, the spiritual pathway, maybe stuff gone on in past lives, everything needs looking at. And we can do that using our holistic therapies. We can not attack, that's the wrong word, but we can approach these conditions from a different place. And I always call reflexology a complementary therapy rather than alternative therapy. Because I do think that modern medicine has its place, for sure. Mm -hmm. And to kind of work hand in hand with that. And reflexology is always filling in the gaps and the spaces that are still left behind by modern medicine. Yeah. Modern medicine has its targeted things that it's really great at, fantastic about. Like I had a client who had endometriosis and it had gone into her bowel and she had to have a huge section of her bowel removed. And that had to happen. She would have died eventually mm -hmm. if that hadn't happened. Her bowel would have perforated. A holistic therapy, it, we'd love it if we could say that that could have cured that. I would not want to have risked saying, don't go, go for that surgery. Yeah. She needed to go for that surgery. But around that surgery, she could have holistic therapies that reduced her pain, reduced her inflammation. It meant that she wasn't having as many symptoms leading up to and around it. When she had a surgery, her recovery was so much quicker. Mm -hmm. um, that was so important and valuable for her. Never mind the emotional support that she was getting from it, the reduction in stress and anxiety around it, all really important. But for her, her endometriosis story, reflexology definitely reduced her inflammation and pain that she was experiencing on a daily level and her ability to, her capacity to deal with what was actually a really horrendous condition for mm -hmm. her. Um, so yeah, I think I, I do like that analogy of that it fills in those spaces around what medical intervention can provide. I think that's a beautiful analogy and I completely agree. We are a holistic system and we need lots of different approaches at lots of different levels sometimes and it's finding the right methods for each individual, isn't it? But it's more than just looking at a symptom, it's looking at what's created that symptom in the first place and how can we heal or restore the whole system rather than just dealing with that one tiny element yeah I think as when we're patients we always want someone to just fix us yes we want someone to give us a pill or do something that takes everything away really quickly as well we don't want time mm -hmm. time's precious so we just want it to be instant and unfortunately most conditions aren't like that no. you know even if you had antibiotics about something you're not taking your first tablet and you're better things take time mm -hmm. 
but like you said there's always a story behind it and when you talk to someone even if like even if I had tonsillitis I bet you there'll be like a whole story about how my energy levels had been really low and I've been really busy and and you know my body had got to that breaking point there's always something more than just the illness more than just the condition mm -hmm. there's the, the situation around it there's the emotions around it and when we're talking about chronic conditions such as endometriosis or rheumatoid arthritis or Crohn's disease or whatever else then we can start getting into metaphysical science yes. and that's where some people sort of draw the line and mm -hmm. they go no that's not what it's about and other people embrace it and go oh my gosh this is the thing that's changing everything for me yes and everyone's individual with that so if we look at something like endometriosis with metaphysical anatomy there's a whole load of stuff about mother relationships there's a whole load of stuff about our own relationship with ourselves as women mm -hmm. um and some people want to go into that and are willing to go into that and break that down mm -hmm. and other people they see that as almost blame like oh it's my fault that i'm ill is it which is never the it's case it's never the case no it's just about saying okay this is how it is mm -hmm. how can we approach this from lots of different angles to help improve the situation on all fronts mm -hmm. and what reflexology can do is that we work with that metaphysical anatomy side too yes so we're not just working on you as a physical person in terms of a, a foot mm -hmm. <laughs> pressing bits and pieces on but that we're actually going within to that deeper psyche of yourself and people say well how can you do that with pressing feet and it's a good question because I don't know the answer really <laughs> there's no solid answer I can mm -hmm. give to that except that it does seem to do that as people go for reflexology they open up you can have someone come and they're like a real closed book mm -hmm. and they're really guarded or those sort of people who are like I'm fine Every, I'm everything's perfect mm -hmm. and then as you work on them and you don't say anything yeah these barriers break down and all these things change and happen and all this stuff comes out and some people don't want to go there they don't want to go to that mm -hmm. and other people they embrace it and the ones who embrace it get the most change I completely agree and it's very much the same with my work obviously we work in a completely different way but it's that story behind it and it's what's really gone on underneath and once we shift that it really starts to transform things in all aspects of life and I think what you said is very important and I think going back to sort of obviously you're saying like about pressing parts of the foot that to me makes perfect sense because I think primarily we're an energetic system. So everything that happens, every thought that we have, everything that takes place in the body is all about energy transference all the time. So if we're having traumas and stresses and difficulties, that energy doesn't just disappear, it's got to go somewhere. And if it gets stored or stuck in the body, then it's gonna to start to create that disease and imbalance. So by stimulating certain organs and certain areas and energy channels, you're gonna be able to shift it. And I think that's really powerful. It's extremely powerful and sometimes you can see that change happening right in front of your eyes. Mm -hmm. So some people it takes a lot longer and it takes more work and there's all sorts of reasons why that mm -hmm. might be. For some people it's almost instantaneous. Yes. That they can come for a treatment, their first treatment, and from a physiological point of view, you can see massive differences in their mm -hmm. body. From a foot point of view, you can see changes in their feet, their yes. colour there, the way that the foot holds itself, like the arch can be a different shape. The way mm -hmm. the toes present themselves can be completely different from the beginning to the end of the treatment. And that's just a physiological level. Um, the way that they move their body, the way they hold their posture by the end can be completely different. But they as an individual can be really different. They 
I've done treatments where I've touched a point on someone's foot and they've just burst into tears and they've gone, I have no idea where that came <laughs> from. And it was a release. Or you can see them they're really uptight or tense and stressed and their whole body just relaxes. Yes. And they just melt and they just turn into this sort of <laughs> semi-liquid state mm -hmm. where they, they've just completely, something has shifted, whatever that is. And it almost doesn't matter what it is yep. or why it happens. It needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to a cascade of things that then will happen further on, um, be it physiological, emotional or spiritual. And usually that's the beginning of a long journey. Yes. Um, it's amazing. It's just and I privilege. think you've made some really valid points there. I, I'd just like to say I, I completely concur. I love when I've got a client with me. Sometimes when you've cleared or shifted an issue, you can see physical differences. I've had people go away from here and their face shapes have changed or they look a decade younger or they're holding themselves completely differently. And it's, it's really inspiring and encouraging as a therapist to be able to see that physiological change. But also, I think, like you say, it's really important to acknowledge that healing is a journey and it isn't always linear. Sometimes you have big leaps of progress. Sometimes you plateau or even feel like you're slightly moving back for a while as a different layer comes forward to be shifted. But it's having that awareness that if you carry on, you can find solutions, whether it's going to one type of therapist or whether it's having a combination of several types of therapies to get you where you need to be. Yeah, and there are different therapies for different people at different yeah. points in their lives. I think, you know, that some people suit different kinds of therapies better and it might just be that their energy frequencies at a certain level or just what they need at that moment in time, that mm -hmm. day, that week, that year is just about that sort of thing that that particular therapy can offer. And then in 20 years time, that might be completely different yes. for them. Um, I know, I hope you don't mind me saying, I know earlier we were just talking about your husband really having a resonation with, resonation with sound therapy, yeah. <laughs> choice of words. And it just been something that's really clicked with him mm -hmm. as a practitioner. This seems to be like this about treatments. You know, people say, oh, I went for that therapy once. It didn't do anything for me. It's like, okay, yeah, but it probably wasn't the right one for you at the time. Not the right therapist okay. or not the right therapy. Yeah. Uh, or, there's so many variables. Or the right time. There? So many different things. And then they go another time and it's right. Or they just go for something else that someone else would say, oh, yeah, that, that didn't work for me. But it worked for them. And, and there's so many reasons why that would be. And breaking it down, it would have to be on an individual level. But, yeah, so if you're going for therapy and you think, yeah, that's not working, try something else. Mm -hmm. Because it may well just be that you just need something slightly different. Yeah. And each therapy offers something different. Mm -hmm. And some of them are more physical and some of them are more about energy. And it's just what's right for you at that moment in time. And not judge it. Just own it as it, as it is and what it needs to be. Yeah. And I think, like we said, the, about timing is really important to consider. So I've, I've been on a, my own healing journey for a long time now, sort of since I really came across reflexology. But then I've had all sorts of different therapies. And I love it. I'm very lucky that I know so many therapists. And if I know a therapist with a different type of therapy, I'm like, oh, can I have a go? Have a little try. What happens. Have a little <laughs> try. Because I like to know what's going on. But I found things have shifted over time. So it hasn't been that I've gone to therapy and everything's cleared all in one go. It's that different triggers have happened in my life at different points of my life to make me realise there's something else that needs to be resolved. It's only been when it's at the right time. And I think sometimes it hasn't shifted when I've wanted it to because there's been further learning for me to have in that part of the journey or there's been extra situations that have needed to occur to make the whole picture come to light. But then as soon as it's been the right time, those shifts really have taken place very quickly. 
I think on our soul level, the healing journey itself is a huge part of our learning process. Mm -hmm. So if we were to heal immediately, there's no learning there. Yes. And also, I think that if we go through change that's really rapid, that's a trauma in itself. Yes. (laughs) The body can't deal with that. No, it needs time to adapt. It does need a massive amount of time to adapt. And the things that happen slowly, drip fed, are the things that stick. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know that like if we're changing habits and routines if we make an immediate drastic I don't have never smoked but if I was smoking 30 or 40 cigarettes a day and I suddenly decided to go cold turkey now for some people that might work but for most people that doesn't work mm-hmm. because it'll last a week and then that'll be it straight back on it I know that's true of me of chocolate biscuits <laughs> <laughs> um, so just going slowly into a healing process whatever mm-hmm. that is that you're trying to heal is kinder to yourself yeah. but also it seems to go deeper and it seems to penetrate further Mm -hmm. and then last rather than being this sort of like oh yeah I'm fine now sort of thing where actually what did you learn from that like where are we going with that nowhere Mm -hmm. so it definitely seems to have more integrity when it's a slower process but we are in this quick fix world aren't we We we're not willing and sometimes it's because it hurts and we want to fix it Mm because we don't want to have to deal with that pain all the time but in order to have a quick fix you're going to have to be really open to a lot of pain. Yes. So if you're wanting a quick fix because you don't want to be in pain, that's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. The more you go for a quick fix, the more it's wounding, the more you're raw and open because you have to cast off all of that old stuff. And you, in order to, you have to go and process all of that. That's too much for most of us mm-hmm. to take on in one go. So one thing at a time, even if it's small, is better than try and do all at once it's just too much we give up and I say that to my clients well they'll come for one particular issue and we might sort that out but I'll say if something else presents in the future come back especially when we've done things like past life regression for example sometimes we're uncovering the most horrendous traumas that have taken place for people and I actually just allow that to sit and allow that to be processed for a while because that's going to be changing you on a cellular level, an energetic level. It's going to change your belief systems, your identity, your outlook on life. Just allow that to be for a little while before you then decide what sort of the next thing is because it is a journey and it is a process. And like you say, sometimes if you try to deal with everything that you've ever gone through all at once, well, where would you even know to start? You wouldn't, and also you would just be back in that trauma, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't be healthy. Um, I don't know how we got there. <laughs> but certainly, I know when I do reflexology in some people, on a physical level or on an emotional level, they can be unprepared for how it affects them. Yes. And I can't prepare them always for what that's going to be because everyone's so different. Mm-hmm. So two people could come for exactly the same thing on paper, and their whole reaction and the way it goes will be pulled apart. Yes. So I can never say to someone, it's going to be like this. Mm-hmm. And someone can come for reflexology treatment and they can go, oh, that was lovely. And then get on the rest of their day and never think about it again. It never affects them in, you know, in that deep level. And someone else can come and it can be a big emotional release. Mm-hmm. And someone else could come and it be a physical thing. So I hate the phrase, a healing crisis. I disagree with the 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 term Mm -hmm. but basically sometimes people come for a treatment and they almost go backwards first before they go forwards it's just bringing that stuff to the surface isn't it to be cleared and let go of just in the same way as if we were wanting to decorate a room and it's full of clutter and rubbish sometimes you have to pull all that clutter out clear all the dirt all the yuck and when you're in the middle of that you think why on earth did I start this 
But then once you've cleared it, you're left with something so much more magnificently beautiful that it's worthwhile. I always use the analogy of sorting out your wardrobe. Yeah. You sort of get your wardrobe, you're like, oh my God, my wardrobe's a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And you start clearing everything out. And before you know it, your whole bedroom's covered in piles <laughs> of clothes. And you've got the clothes that you want to keep, and the clothes that go to the charity shop, and the clothes that you think, mm, I'm not sure yet. And you've got all your eBay clothes and mm -hmm. all of that. And it's a little, if someone was to walk in, they'd be like, oh my God. And it's horrendous. But then when you've done it and you've bagged up all the stuff that's going to the charity shop and you've hidden it all in the garage because you, you know it takes three <laughs> weeks to go and do it and everything and your wardrobe is beautiful it's all like I don't know color coordinated or you know shirts together whatever it is and it's beautiful that's what you're getting to but you can't get to that point without making that mess mm -hmm. and that can be as I said a physiological or an emotional level we can't heal without going back to the thing that needs healing. Yep. And as much as we'd like to, as much as we like to think healing is, that it, I don't think about it anymore. And it's disappeared. That's not what healing is. And so sometimes people come, especially for certain conditions. So for example, um, migraines. Mm -hmm. If someone comes to me, they've got acute migraines and it's happening all the time. They'll come for reflexology. And this is one that I can sort of almost guarantee more often than not, after the first few sessions, they will have horrendous migraines, probably the worst ones they've ever mm -hmm. had. And they almost have to go through that. And then they're not going to say they'll never have one again. But the difference is stark. Like they will then suddenly that will be a release and yes. then they won't be having migraines. Mm -hmm. But they almost need to ride through that. And that is terrifying because people come for treatment. They want to feel better from it. Yeah. They don't want to feel worse, but it's almost the feeling a bit worse and then getting better again. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes that has happened where people have had a treatment and then they kind of go, oh, I don't know, it, I felt actually worse. I felt like, you know, or maybe I had, maybe had like arthritis and it flared. Mm -hmm. Yes, but how did you feel afterwards? Oh yeah, but then the rest of the week I felt great. Yes. Okay. But we need to ride through that because the next time you come out might happen, but the time after that, it won't happen again. Mm -hmm. And then you won't have this happening again and again and again. It's just like it needs to clear out. Mm -hmm. um, so that can happen sometimes on an emotional level that will be happening, like yes. the emotions coming forward. Uh, when I was training, one of my case studies I'd set up was this lady who had um, a lot of mental health, like depression and things like not nothing like really drastic, but, you know, she was on medication and things. And... We started, we had two sessions and she stopped the case study because she said, I am not in a place where I'm ready to go into that. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that was coming up, we weren't talking about it. I was literally just doing her feet where the lights were off and she was asleep sort of thing. Um, but what was emotionally coming up in between sessions for her, she was a single mum with two small children. She didn't have a space in her life yep. to deal with it. She said, I completely see that this is the best thing for me, mm -hmm. but just in 10 years time. Yes. <laughs> when I've got the space within my life that I can deal with those things. Mm -hmm. So when we are approaching holistic therapies, any holistic therapy, it's really important that you understand why you're going and what you're going for and be willing to go through whatever comes up for that. And that's not to say every person has that to deal no. with at all. A plenty of clients who come regularly and they've never had that. They've mm -hmm. never had a huge emotional release. They've never had, but they just happily enjoy the benefits of all the positive stuff. Yeah. But that's what's right for them at that moment. Mm -hmm. And for another person, maybe it's not that case. So just be prepared for whatever comes, however it comes. I completely agree with that. And I think sort of on my therapist's journey, I really found that quite terrified when I first qualified and it was, it's a real skill set that I had to develop of guiding people through that and saying, 
do you know what? It's okay if that happens because it's helping you in the long run. So I think you have to have that good dynamic and that good rapport and you need to feel very comfortable with whatever therapist you choose to help see you through that because you do need that support and that nurturing. But it's quite scary, isn't it? The first time you get that happening with a client, do you have to say it's going to be okay? Well, you, you don't go into being a therapist to make it feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be you want to be that egotistically, the big ego within you wants to be a little mini Jesus. That, you know, okay, it's a miracle. Everything's perfect. You know, but that's maybe like we were talking before, not what they needed. What they need is to work through the process and yeah. to confront their demons and to deal with those mm -hmm. things. And it's not for us to make that decision of what that is. It's not. And that's the thing that you say, it's, it's us parking our egos. We're facilitators with lots of tools to help, but that person ultimately is responsible for their self-healing and their mind and their body and their energetic system will decide at what level that's going to be at that time. Yeah. But what I would always say is you're never given anything more than what you can cope with. You might not feel like it when you're in it. And I know from my personal healing that I've done, there's been times where all of a sudden I've opened up a can of worms and I thought, why on earth have I exposed all of this? This feels horrendous. It's horrible to deal with. And I sort of wish I could just put it all away. But then when I've carried on that healing journey, I'm so thankful and so grateful I've gone through it because once it's properly dealt with, it's gone. It's not a problem anymore. And I think it's just like you say, getting through that messy bit and having that faith that you are strong enough to do that. And trusting the process. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem is, is that we as individuals aren't very good at trusting ourselves, are we? No. We'll trust other people. Mm -hmm. And if you can put your trust in the therapist, that's helpful. Yes. But often we don't trust ourselves to go through that process. Mm -hmm. um, and that's part of the transitional process in itself, probably, of trusting <laughs> But yeah, no, definitely. And everyone, as I said, is individual. And some people never have to deal with what, any of these things. And their, their bodies naturally just land in this really slow process. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things want to clear because they have to you know if you've been carrying around a trauma or been carrying around grief mm -hmm. you're stuck till you can shift that so mm -hmm. your body knows that your body knows it needs to shift it in mm -hmm. order to move on it's not necessarily going to let you do that really slowly if it is realizing how stagnated you are otherwise yes because long term there's no gain until it's gone um, exactly a lot of things we can kind of get through our whole lives still holding on to mm -hmm. some things we can't and I think we don't always necessarily know what it even is that we're holding on to. Things can be so deeply buried. And like you said, it might not even just be this lifetime, it might be past lifetime. But it's still within our system. And so sometimes we need something like reflexology to bring it to the surface to be released. Yeah. And I know that's the thing with the endometriosis for me. Like you say, everybody's got an individual story, reasons behind it. So in the early days, I had obviously my reflexology with Linda. That helped with the fertility, it helped with the pain side. But then as I carried on the journey... I started to notice other traits about myself. So there were things like never, ever wore makeup. I mean, I still don't now, but that's more just because I can't be bothered. But it was like I hated wearing it and I hated anybody noticing me. I almost like I wanted to just blend into a wall and be invisible. And it's how I felt all the time. And so one day I had enough a few years ago and I said to Pete, like, we need to deal with this because if I'm wanting to build my business and I'm wanting to help other people, I'm going to need to be seen. And also if I'm going on a night out, I sort of want to be able to wear a dress and put some makeup on and not be absolutely petrified that somebody's going to see me or notice me. I need to be able to handle that. And he actually did some eye movement therapy on me. And we went all the way back to 
a trauma very early on that I didn't consciously remember. I had no idea it had even happened. And it was a real shock that that had happened to me. But as soon as that had came forward, it completely transformed everything. And I don't feel like that anymore. I feel quite happy to be noticed and to stand on stage or wear makeup or wear... Be some... feminine. And... Yeah, be feminine. And not only that, it allowed me to access my feminine energy and feel safe within that. Yeah. But after that, I've not really had any pain from the endometriosis ever since. That goes back to the metaphysical stuff that I touched mm -hmm. on earlier, where I just very briefly mentioned a couple of, I can't remember everything, it's all, you know, to have to look it up. But <laughs> I do know off the top of my head, it's a lot of stuff to do with relationships with mother figures and being a mother and, and your own mothers and mother figures, but mm -hmm. also this relationship with yourself as a feminine entity and your yeah. sexuality and all of that womb energy that is the sacral chakra energy mm -hmm. and if you were shying away from that and like oh I don't want to be seen I don't want to be seen as made up with makeup because that's a sexual sort of mm -hmm. thing that we do and I don't want to be seen as this this woman and, and I'm not deserving of all of those things as well you obviously didn't think you were deserving mm -hmm. of attention or anything like that then you were hiding from all of that you had a negative relationship with those sides of yourself and all of that is stored in the womb space so as much as yes endometriosis is a whole body condition and it can affect all sorts of different organs primarily we relate it to the womb space mm -hmm. and we hold all of those sorts of feelings about ourselves in that sacral chakra space or our womb energy depending on which mm -hmm. which which different modality you're thinking yeah. of and that's all in there so I mean people who have gynecological issues people who have digestive issues people who have pelvic issues lower back pain it's an idea and a, a concept to, to look at metaphysical anatomy but also to look at chakras and chakra healing mm -hmm. and look at well for any condition look at whatever chakra it is but if we're talking about things like endometriosis like look at the sacral chakra or womb energy and look at that and what that means mm -hmm. and be open to it because I think a lot of the time people want to be victims unfortunately in any any situation anywhere in the world we all want to be a victim because mm -hmm. that means we're not to blame or anything but look at all of that metaphysical stuff because it gives you another dimension to heal on and it gives yes. you another space to kind of heal on and as you said as you worked on those aspects of yourself and healed your relationship with yourself as a woman and as a feminine entity it seemed to have a physiological impact yes that you couldn't tangibly go why that would relate to that mm -hmm. but it did yeah and that was your lived experience and someone else might look at it and go well, yeah that's just coincidence maybe maybe it isn't but your lived experience was that yeah and so many women um, in terms of things like endometriosis, have that mm -hmm. response. In terms of anything else, men or women, the more you talk to people in, who have experienced that sort of shift mm -hmm. will say it 100% is the biggest shift that you can do for yes. your health and well-being. Um, and there's millions of books you can read about it. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many fascinating books. And it's a huge, huge rabbit hole to kind of like jump right into and... It is, isn't it? Sometimes I have to, I go somewhere and I think, right, I need to step back from this and process it for a bit because that's blown my mind. And then sometime later I revisit and think, oh, that makes so much sense now. Yeah, it's just, and it's then just you go down another <laughs> rabbit hole and you're like, ah! It's quite interesting because, I mean, I'm lucky. I've never had a gynecological issue. Mm -hmm. But I'm a woman, I have periods. And every month your periods are always slightly different. Everyone mm -hmm. slightly different here and there. So any men listen to this, just, you know, just be open to this conversation because you have women in your life. Um, and... So month to month, my periods are ever so slightly, subtly different. Some months are no more noticeably than others. Mm -hmm. So I might have a month where my cycle might be longer. I might have a month where there's pain, whereas generally I don't have pain in my periods. Oh, you know, kind of like take a, 
ibuprofen and forget about it sort of pain. And there's other months where I do have more. And now I have this relationship with myself where I can understand that things that have happened or how I've dealt with things or how I relate to things in my life can have a physiological impact. I can start relating that to what's happened that month and go, okay, that's because of this. So for example, uh, during lockdown, I didn't have the best periods always because actually during my ovulation phase, I so your ovulation phase is one where you're supposed to be kind of outward looking. It's where you kind of work on your projects and your little baby things that you're really like really important to you. You think of it like it's your nesting, like you're putting out your eggs, <laughs> mm -hmm. the things that you're creating and you're creating things at that time. So my projects got so stifled in lockdown. I was homeschooling. I was yes. stuck for the kids 24 <laughs> seven. There was no space for me. I lost all my identity in that time. I couldn't mm -hmm. work. Um, I, well, I was working in different ways. I having to find different ways of working, but it was all in my spare time yes. around these very demanding bored children. Mm -hmm. And I lost who I was and everything else. And my cycles were erratic I was more likely to be in pain because my ovulation was affected because around that ovulation time I'd also get really moody and bad tempered because <laughs> I wasn't able to create I wasn't able to express the things I wanted to express and do all the things I wanted to mm -hmm. do and then when I worked on that I did loads of work to do with um cyclical living around that time and I was coaching people in cyclical living at that time so it really forced me to look at myself um I realized okay, this is about this. This is about the fact that around ovulation, I'm not actually getting that opportunity. And then it's having a hormonal impact on everything else in my cycle, because actually around my ovulation time, I'm not ovulating, I'm ovulating later. Mm -hmm. um, and so I realized that around that time, I needed to minimize my stress around that time. Yep. And I needed to give myself some things that I needed. So I didn't have time for myself much, but when I did, I prioritized what I used it for so that I did feel like I was using it to create something mm -hmm. and to focus on the things that were important to me and to have expression um, and capacity to express who I really was rather yes. than just being homeschooling mum, which wasn't me. Um, <laughs> definitely don't want that to be me again. Um, so then that had a better it, it followed through that it was then better. My cycles were much more manageable. My cycles were much easier, more regular and everything else because I realised that I needed that outlet mm -hmm. for my energy around that time of the month. And I know that even out of lockdown, um, when around ovulation, I am feeling stifled or I am having to deal with family issues. Like, so in February, we went away with my parents around ovulation <laughs> my my immediate my children my husband and my parents in a house in the middle of Kent probably wasn't the best thing around my ovulation time I've decided that cycle then became the longest cycle I've had in three years mm -hmm. because I actually just didn't ovulate I was meant to ovulate that week I ovulated the week after something about the way that I then changed into the child figure with my parents mm -hmm. and then the dynamic of me being like peacekeeper and all of that there was no space for me to ovulate so I needed to understand myself a bit more in future I will not book to go away with my parents <laughs> and my husband and my kids in the same week as ovulation I've learned that's not a good thing mm -hmm. so yeah I've, you can anyone can do that you can look at your physiology and what's going on with your physiology and actually try to look for patterns and understanding what parts of your life mm -hmm. either the present moment stuff or the historical stuff may well be impacting on your physiological being right now.
Um, and for women cyclically, that is also so important because we are cyclical creatures and we do get impacted by things that happen on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. We aren't constants. I think you've made some really fascinating points there. And just the cogs are ticking away in my mind thinking, I'm really glad we've had this conversation. And that's the whole reason I do this podcast, because I think it just plants those little seeds or it makes you think, oh, that might be really useful for me. And I think after this, at some point, we (laughs) need to have a chat and I need to come and see you because there's stuff going on with my menstrual cycle at the moment. But it's I keep getting and I've had this for about three years now, probably since around lockdowns, an eye problem. So every and I'm completely healthy in every single way. I feel the most healthy and the best I've ever felt out of my whole life, apart from this eye issue. So what happens is it sometimes correlates with my menstrual cycle. And I thought it's got to be hormonal, but then it doesn't always do that. I get an immense pain behind my right eye. It feels like massive pressure. And then it goes bloodshot for 48 hours. I feel poorly with it. You know, like if you're coming down with a flu or a cold type thing and then it goes away and I feel fine. I've seen opticians. They're baffled by it. I've been to the doctor. They don't have any answers for me. I think it's something to do with my hormone levels. So you just having that conversation there has helped me to think, ah, I need to be looking into that and I need to be looking at what's going on in the days and weeks before that. Is it and what is it? Stress, diet, hormonal changes. And perhaps it's a balance of them all. So that I can work that out because I genuinely believe that my body can be of optimum health and I don't need that. I just need to understand <coughs> what message that is trying to give me. And so far, I haven't been able to find out what that message is all about. So you might have just given me the solution or the next step on my healing journey to help me with that. So thank you. I think it's the next step, isn't it? It's- we have to be invested. I can't say that word. Investigative. <laughs> That's a very hard word. Um, when we're looking at our health, and especially if we're looking at it from a holistic point of view, mm-hmm. we're not just looking at the eye. No. We're looking at the whole being, mm-hmm. and we're not just looking at the whole physical being. We're looking at every other aspect of the being. And also, what's useful when we look at that is we're not looking at it at this immediate moment as well. Mm-hmm. We're not just saying, "Oh, my eye hurts now. It's about now." We're kind of saying, "Okay." Where's that come from? And we're willing to look back and look at patterns and look at, you know, stuff that's changed and things like that. And that's so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully you'll figure it out. But yeah, we can have a chat. <laughs> I will absolutely figure it out. I'm determined. <laughs> and I think it's really interesting as well speaking because obviously you are a reflexologist and you have all of these other tools and you work with all sorts of people. But one of your specialisms is that menstrual and reproductive health. So what made you decide that that was one of your passions to go into? Well, it's actually quite interesting because so um, I've come here today to Debbie's house and I have, um, this sounds unrelated, but it really is, it is related. I have big panic attacks when I drive on certain roads. In order to get to Debbie's house, I'd have to drive on a road that would cause massive panic attack trigger for me. So our mutual friend Jodie has brought me here today mm-hmm. and she's downstairs somewhere. And Jodie is the reason I went into this work. So wow. Josie, when I didn't know her, and we'd never chatted, invited me to come and talk to the endometriosis support group. Mm-hmm. So endometriosis brought me here, even though I don't have endometriosis. Um, and I went and talked to the endometriosis support group about reflexology. And then, um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this now, but tough. Um, <laughs> and she booked me to have some sessions and we got really close. And um, in that time, she sort of educated me a lot more about re- um, endometriosis and, uh, you know, obviously with her role that she runs the Lincolnshire support group and does quite a lot with Endometriosis UK. And 
she was saying to me, oh, you should, you should like learn to do fertility reflexology. And mm-hmm. at the same time, I had a friend who was going through IVF and um, I'd referred her to somebody else um, who was a specialist in this area because it wasn't something I, I felt I was specialist enough in for something mm-hmm. so emotive. And I always feel like if someone else, I think someone else can do something better, I, I would rather they went to that Absolutely. person. Absolutely. And she was doing the same. She so the two of them like counterattack. Um, she, the two of them were at me. Both of them going, "Well, why don't you just train in this thing? You know, like mm-hmm. you would be great at this." And I'll be honest, I don't want to do it at first because I was a bit scared of how much emotion is involved in stuff yes. to do with all of that. And so it sort of started with endometriosis. I felt kind of brave about menstrual health. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, I think I won't do fertility. I'll just do menstrual. And then I realized the course I really wanted to do was also fertility. And I realized it was just about me and my ego being scared mm-hmm. of the fact that I wouldn't be able to fix somebody. Yes. But that, as you said, is not what our role is mm-hmm. anyway. So I went to conference and a woman called Barbara Scott was talking at the conference. She's a reflexologist and she runs the Association for Reproductive Reflexologists. Mm -hmm. And she works in the most incredible way. Um, She's very scientific background. She used to work with computers and, you know, programming and all that sort of thing. And she works in an integrative way. Mm -hmm. And she um, spends her time, a lot of her time, uh, networking and working with some of the top people in the country medically mm-hmm. for this area. So be it andrologists, embryologists, urologists, gynecologists, people who specialise in creating supplements, all sorts of stuff. She goes to all of these big conferences and stuff, talks at them. She goes, she talks at Fertility Fest, all of that. She's very up there. And I heard her talk about reproductive reflexology which is called reproflexology and her data study that she'd done a few years ago and the difference in the outcomes positive outcomes for people regarding people going through reflexology with either natural conception or IVF Mm -hmm. male or female and the comparison of statistics was so phenomenal and um, I saw her at this conference and then a few months later she was doing a webinar that I went on to and my husband was sat next to me we were in bed and I was watching this webinar and he just looked and just went you've got to do that course wow. it's like well I was thinking of it <laughs> um, and it's the most amazing journey I just say it's a huge journey it's one of those things that you do the initial course, you think, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. And then the more you learn, the more you know there is to learn. Mm -hmm. And the more you get into menstrual and reproductive health as a scientific topic, the more you realize it's a huge minefield. And the more you realize that the community doesn't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The more that it's just this big can of worms, uh, Pandora's box of information and knowledge. And I've been so fascinated by this journey. So they're sort of related, but two separate things, menstrual and reproductive health, because of course not every woman who has menstrual issues has reproductive issues or even wants children or is even trying for children or has maybe had their children already. And not every woman who has reproductive issues actually has menstrual health issues. Mm -hmm. And, or it might not even be her issues. It might be her other half's issues. So there's sort of different parts of it. And then you've got your menopause and everything else like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So it has been massive. And so much learning, continued learning all the time. But what a privilege and what a journey. And challenging too. So it's very 
emotional for me sometimes I have to separate myself from it so for example in one week I had one of my clients announce she's pregnant another one have miscarriage and you have to go through that process with these Mm -hmm. people Um, but what the blessing is for us is that we are giving those people that space that space to create that space to celebrate but also that space to hold somebody if they're needing Mm -hmm. the grief Um, and to help them through whatever that process is um and yeah I've been really lucky that I've got lots of lovely happy outcomes and lots of cuddles with other people's babies that I can give back mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done my part of the journey and um in terms of the menstrual health it's still actually quite interesting the menstrual stuff and male fertility stuff are my two main kind of passion projects like both of them like Mm -hmm. especially like because endometriosis started me on this journey I'd say endometriosis is the thing that I'm most interested in and then male fertility stuff (laughs) but I think that's really important as well because I think and I could be getting this completely wrong because I've got no statistical information that I think often a lot of the time it's because although a couple are trying to perhaps conceive it's often the woman that sort of maybe because she's the one carrying the child or wanting to carry the child, it's often focus on her and maybe what's going on in her body. And I don't always know if it's explored enough. Well, I don't know if it's explored full stop enough, but particularly with men and what's going on in their health and their reproductive system in order to allow that process to take place. So statistically, in terms of couples who are trying to conceive, if there's an issue it is pretty even that it's going to be the female factor, male factor or joint factor issue. Um, And yet when you do look at what investigations happen, it is very female heavy centered. It's the woman who's having to go for loads and loads of usually quite invasive procedures. And the men, um, for want of a better phrase, spunk in a pot. (laughs) But depending on, it's a postcode lottery as well. So depending on what county you're in, Mm Uh, well medical local authority you're in the analysis that would be done on that would be very different so mm-hmm. um for example we're in Lincolnshire Lincolnshire is quite good for semen analysis under the NHS you have to wait ages at the moment of course but Lincolnshire is quite good under the NHS they go through quite a lot of parameters so it's not a bad one if you're in a different county they might literally just go has he got any and does it move well, whereas here they'll do the pH, they'll look at the viscosity, they'll look at the morphology, which is what it looks like, and and they'll break it down quite a lot of different parameters. Mm-hmm. So where you are will change how much Gosh. they'll look at. But even that is just the skim skimming the top of the surface, mm-hmm. and underneath that, like the World Health Organization, when they created all the new parameters last summer, so they hadn't updated for a couple of years. They updated it uh, last June, July, whatever it was. They said that there's a thing called DNA fragmentation, okay. which is, you imagine a cell, so a gamete, mm-hmm. is full of DNA. DNA fragmentation is when that DNA starts getting damaged. Yes. So DNA fragmentation analysis of sperm, they said, should be looked at. It's really important. It mm-hmm. is affecting sperm health, especially yes. in this modern age. Think about what we eat, rubbish. Our toxins in our environment, rubbish. And all those other things are affecting sperm. Mm-hmm. So, and men are getting older as they become fathers. And people always think they don't have a ticking clock. They completely do, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to sperm health. So they, the World Health, World Health Organization has said that we should be looking into this, but NICE guidelines haven't caught up yet. So right, okay. under the NHS, you cannot get that tested, mm-hmm. even though the World Health Organization said you should. So 
you have to go private. So my role as a reflexologist is twofold. On a day-to-day basis, I'm doing reflexology on someone's feet for these mm-hmm. things. But broader than that, we work as mentors or coaches to coach a couple through the rigmarole of getting the right testing from the right people, mm-hmm. getting the right answers and understanding what the results mean. So there's only so much you can get done through your GP. Different GPs will tell you different things. Yes. <laughs> different GPs are trained to different levels. So they, you might get your results and they'll tell you all is well. And I can look at the results and tell you, no, it's not this, this and this are the issues. Because mm-hmm. they just aren't trained. Um, and they won't tell you what's privately available because they don't do that under mm-hmm. the NHS. But people don't know. You don't know unless you've read about it a lot or someone's told you what your options are privately. Because mm-hmm. we just don't work in our minds in this country with, with medicine. We don't think private, do we? No. We just think the GP will tell us, and they won't. So, like, we're in Lincolnshire, like I said. In Leicester, there is one of the very few, there's hardly any andrologists that are private in this country. We're lucky, an hour away, there is one. Mm-hmm. And he would be able to go into so much more than the NHS. Yes. But do any of my clients ever know that exists? No. No. Why would you? (laughs) Exactly. So there's a lot of more options. And the same for women. There's there's fewer private options for women, unfortunately. Um, But there are more options than are available. So we can work in that way to help them with that. We can help with their diet and lifestyle. I have had clients where, especially the men, have smoked and drank heavily and they are under a clinic for IVF, and no one's asked him if he smokes or drinks. Gosh, that's crazy. Yes, <laughs> it is crazy. Yeah. Um, I had one client who um, they'd decided not to go with her eggs for lots of reasons, which made sense, and they were using egg donors. They were going to Spain. They'd had three cycles before I met them that had failed, and they were using the same embryo. So they'd had one lot, so it was donor eggs but his sperm, and they'd done a whole load, and then they were all frozen, and then they were just putting them in each time she came back, but it was with the same set of sperm. Oh, dear. And nobody was going, let's look at him. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, he'll be fine, because she's got issues, therefore she's the reason. Yeah. Not, hang on, couldn't they both have issues? Mm-hmm. Just because one person has issues doesn't mean the other one automatically yeah. doesn't. Mm-hmm. And they weren't investigating him. Gosh. So we we got, he was very didn't want to change mm-hmm. stuck in his ways I was like hang on a minute 20 a day and six beers a night sort of thing mm-hmm. there's big alarm bells here and got him to do a DNA fragmentation analysis and like basically all the DNA in, in the sperm were completely wonky for want of a better <laughs> phrase what are they going to do that you can't produce a, a life from wonky DNA yeah um and it was a big wake-up call mm-hmm. um but, you know, there's loads of questions as to um, the morals and ethics of why on earth was that never investigated in the first place. Yeah. And this happens quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're able to kind of open clients' eyes to some of the more simple things that you just think someone would have ticked that box yeah. and no one does. Or we can explain some of these things to them as mm-hmm. well. We can um, give them appropriate supplementation. Supplementation is a huge minefield. It isn't the case the more supplements you take, the better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when it comes to again like um sperm quality mm-hmm. you, you don't want to be just throwing everything at it you can actually damage it so about them having been on the appropriate stuff we can advise them on that because we're trained to do that yes um and we can also advise them about other things as well like 
just the food that they're eating and all of mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Um, so that's very useful. And we can refer them to people. So we can refer them for DNA fragmentation analysis. We can refer them to andrologists. Um, and we can do that referral process. So wow. it's not just going to have your feet done. That's in there too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's that whole big picture. Um, and making sure that if they are going down a medical route, that that medical route is the right one to be going yeah. down. We're not doctors. Mm -hmm. So we're not going into it saying, right, you have to do this. But we're just advising them with the information so they can make decisions and choices and ask the right people the questions that they need to ask. So it's, it's quite an honour to do that with somebody. That's incredible. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Definitely. Oh. But it, yeah, there's a lot of learning that's had to happen to go to that. And it's mm -hmm. constant because it's always shifting. Yes. Oh, well, that's been absolutely fascinating. I've loved speaking about all of these things so much. So we're almost out of time. So is there anything quickly as an overall final note or message that you would like to say to the listener um, that you think might help them or you'd like them to take away from this discussion? I think the main thing from what we were talking about is being open to a healing journey mm -hmm. and understanding that things aren't quick fixes and that we have to be willing to go there with whatever it is that we're trying to heal and that it's not always as one-dimensional as we might first think it is. Mm -hmm. Be prepared for whatever comes forward, even if it's completely left field. <laughs> <laughs> and try not to judge it for what it is and just accept it for what it is. Even if you can't draw the lines and the parallels between what you thought you were coming in somewhere to heal mm -hmm. about and this other thing come up, don't push that away and go, but that's not what we're here for. Just let that be what it is because there's a reason for that. And it's part of the whole jigsaw of yourself and your being that that needs to come in so the other stuff can sort itself out. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's a really excellent point to finish on. So thank you so much for coming today. I've, I've found it absolutely fascinating and I'm sure our listeners will too. So thank you everybody who has tuned in today. I hope you're well, I hope you're having a great day and I shall speak to you again soon. Take care and bye-bye for now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you are interested in what we do, please go to my website, www.tranquil-awakenings.co.uk. As well as information on the therapies I offer, there is also links to my Past Life Regression Therapists programme, and my professional hypnotherapy training programs. If you are looking for online training for self-development, please go to debbieison.thinkific.com. And also remember to follow me on social media. Simply on Facebook, type in Tranquil Awakenings to find my business page. And I'm also on Instagram. I love hearing from you. Please do send any comments or questions. And if you have any ideas of what you would like me to talk about on future episodes, please do send me a message.